Jesus were to send me a Facebook friend request, I would accept it. Um, and then I was thinking, you know, well, you know, what if what if he started posting stuff on your wall, like his words, just taking some of his words in the gospel? Would you be okay with that, or would you start getting a little uncomfortable and maybe feel a little bit ashamed that this Jesus is starting to post words? on your Facebook wall, or maybe asking you to post his words on your Facebook wall. And then I was thinking, uh, another question I've asked along, I was at the Townie Small just handing out some cards and talking to folks, and, um, and another question I asked is, you know, if, if you have a relationship with Jesus, is it, is it like one that you have with somebody on Facebook, or is it a close relationship like you have with a relative? like a father or, or a brother or a sister or your spouse. Uh, and tonight we're going to talk about that. We're going to talk about knowing Jesus. Uh, we're about that here. Uh, all this would mean nothing if we didn't know Jesus and if people didn't come to know Jesus through what we're doing here. So uh, I'm going to pray and we're going to dig into the word together. Heavenly Father, I thank you for your word that's living and powerful and sharper than any two-edged sword. And I ask that you would come here tonight and speak to us and pull us closer, draw us closer, that we might know your heart, that we might know you and the power of your resurrection, God, and the fellowship of your sufferings, God. And if there's anybody here tonight who doesn't know you yet, I pray that they would come into a relationship with you, God, that they would respond, accept to your friend request and become friends with you through faith in your son, Jesus Christ. And all God's people said, Amen. Alright, if you got your Bibles, go ahead and turn with me to Philippians chapter 3. Philippians chapter 3, starting in verse 1, is where we're going to be tonight. And if you don't have your Bibles, there is a uh, Bible in front of you. Um, uh, it should be an NIV translation, and that, that works too. That's great. Uh, please don't take those home because those aren't ours. Those are the Episcopal Church's uh, uh, Bibles that were there. And by the way, I want to acknowledge them, uh, Pastor Lino and, and the Episcopal, Spanish Episcopal Church, who has graciously allowed us to uh, meet in their facility on Sunday nights. We've got a, a good relationship with them, and God's doing some great things there within the Spanish Episcopal Church. Um, so Philippians chapter 3, and if you need a Bible, let us know. We can get you one, uh, so you don't have to take those NIVs there. Um, and if you don't have one, oh, can you help me out, Kevin? Let's try this again. We had this working. Maybe pull it out and put it back in for me. Philippians chapter 3, starting in verse 1. Finally, my brothers, rejoice in the Lord. To write the same things to you is no trouble to me, and is safe for you. Look out for the dogs, look out for evildoers, look out for those who mutilate the flesh. For we are the circumcision who worship by the Spirit of God, who glory in Christ Jesus and put no confidence in the flesh. Though I myself have reason for confidence in the flesh also, if anyone else thinks he has reason for confidence in the flesh, I have more. Circumcised on the eighth day, of the people of Israel, of the tribe of Benjamin, a Hebrew of Hebrews, as to the law of Pharisee, as to zeal, a persecutor of the church, as to righteousness under the law, blameless, and whatever 
gain I had, I counted as loss for the sake of Christ. Indeed, I count everything as loss because of the surpassing worth of knowing Christ Jesus my Lord. For His sake, I've suffered the loss of all things and count them as rubbish in order that I may gain Christ and be found in Him, not having a righteousness of my own that comes from the law, but that which comes through faith in Jesus Christ. The righteousness that depends on faith, that I may know Him in the power of His resurrection, that I may share in His sufferings and become like Him in His death, that by any means possible I may obtain the resurrection from the dead. Not that I have already attained this or am already perfect, but I press on to make it my own because Christ Jesus has made me His own. Brothers, do not con- I do not consider that I've made it my own. But one thing I do, forgetting what lies behind, straining forward to what lies ahead, I press toward the goal for the prize of the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. Let those of us who are mature think this way. And if in anything you think otherwise, God will reveal that also to you. Only let us hold true to what we have attained. All God's people said? Amen. Amen. All right, I'm going to see if I can control this here. No? Okay. Can you help me out there and just just change the slide there? Oh, okay. We'll get it going here. Uh, First of all, let me just give a little background. Whoa. I hope everybody here fears God. And you're ready to meet Jesus because you need to be ready. You never know when your last day is going to be. Um, Thank you, Lord, for that nice thunder and the laugh. Um, So the Apostle Paul was writing this letter from prison. He was in jail. He was preaching the gospel. And he got in trouble for preaching the gospel. This is one of the the prison epistles that we have in the the New Testament. So Paul's writing from jail. And he's telling the followers of Christ in Philippi to rejoice in the Lord. Rejoice in the Lord. This is somebody who walked it out himself. And he was calling the other followers of Jesus to do the same. To rejoice in the Lord regardless of what kind of circumstances you're going through. Regardless of how difficult life is for you. If you're in jail, if you're sick, if somebody betrayed you, if somebody's trying to hurt you. Rejoice in the Lord. God wants us to rejoice always. He wants us to be a joyful people because we know Him. Joy comes from knowing Jesus. And rejoicing in joy in Jesus is a key theme in the book of Philippians. So he starts off in in verse 2, he says, look out, look out for dogs. Now let me first of all say this, that in in the first century, dogs were not man's best friend. Okay, like like here, like many of us are very affectionate towards our pets and our dogs. And, you know, we could probably do a pet blessing here and everybody would bring their pet and we'll we'll preach the gospel. Um, Anyways, side note. Uh, but he says, look out for dogs. This was not a positive thing. If the Apostle Paul is calling you a dog, that's not, that's not a positive thing. And I don't think he was being very nice, by the way. He was being pretty bold and pretty upfront. But he was, he was calling out these guys called Judaizers. Um, uh, people that were, were trying to, to lure um, folks away into Judea, um, Judaism, trying to keep the law. And specifically, circumcision is, is one of those external things uh, that these Judaizers, Judaizers would encourage 
for, for people to do. It, it's kind of initiation. How would you like that for initiation? You've got to get circumcised. I mean, praise God that Jesus kind of changed the way things go. I, I like baptism a lot better, right? You know, especially if you're a grown man. You know, those circumcised... Whoop, there we go. Nope, lost it. Circumcision is a hurtful practice. I mean, physically it's a hurtful thing for a grown man to get circumcised. If those, those of you who don't know what I'm talking about, that's okay. You'll get it later. Um, but it's, So it's hurtful physically, but it's also hurtful spiritually. And it's, 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 it's harmful spiritually because when, when somebody gets circumcised in, in, uh, in, in under Judaism and, and following that path, the, the idea is that by keeping these external uh, rules, you're made right. You're in. You're good. You're the people of God. You're circumcised. You're right. You're, you're good with God now because you got circumcised. Now, praise God, we don't practice that today as Christians. Uh, the, Jesus talked about, or Paul talked about, a circumcision of the heart. That's what God is most concerned about. And specifically in this passage, we see Jesus or Paul focusing on faith in Jesus to make us right with God, not by external things that we do. It's by faith in Jesus. In verse 3, the Apostle Paul makes a contrast uh, saying that that we are the circumcision. Uh, There we go. There we go. I thought I had it. We are the circumcision who worship by the Spirit of God. And we glory in Christ Jesus and put no confidence in the flesh. Um, There's a contrast here. Trying to serve God in your own flesh, in your own effort, in your own strength, versus worshiping God, depending on God and His power, the power of His Spirit living in you. This is Christianity. And glorying in Christ Jesus. Exalting in Christ Jesus. So that's the contrast that the Apostle Paul makes here. He says, we're, we're, we're there because of our faith in Jesus. We don't have to get circumcised to be right with God. So here's my first point here, is that knowing Jesus changes our values, changes your values. The Apostle Paul's value system was completely changed when he came into a relationship with Jesus Christ. We're talking about a... Um, a terrorist. If y'all don't know the story of the Apostle Paul, you read Acts 8 and 9 and 10 and, 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 and so on, and, you'll, and, and the rest of Acts, and you'll see that there's this terrorist guy named Saul, who became Paul, who's persecuting Christians. And he thought he was serving God. He had all these external things going on that seemed very good, and he thought he was doing great. But he was actually killing Jesus or Jesus' people. When Jesus confronted him and knocked him off his horse, he said, Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting me? And he says, Lord, who are you? He didn't know Jesus yet. But you know what? Paul stepped into a relationship with Jesus Christ. Jesus broke into the history of Paul's life. And Paul didn't have too many options at this point. Jesus just showed up, broke in the history of his life, and he responded. He responded to Jesus. He responded uh, to the good news of who Jesus is and then what Jesus has done. And he was blind for a couple days. This guy named Ananias 
Jesus says, hey, go pray for Paul. I want you to lay hands on him. He, you know, I'm going to use him. Ananias is like, well, uh, is that you, Lord? I don't know if I'm going to do that. You know, that's like, like if God says to you, Patrick, hey, go, I want you to go pray for this ISIS leader. Okay? I'm going to use him as a great missionary. Would you be like, sure, Lord, send me to wherever, whatever country, wherever. I'll go. I'll do it. Um, but thank God Ananias obeyed. And he prayed for Paul, Saul, and who became Paul, and, and uh, God used him. So Paul's values got changed once he became a Christian. He started, uh, here, here's a couple of things mentioned here. In verse 3, he started worshiping by the Spirit of God versus trying to serve God in his flesh. Okay? Verse 3, he started exalting in Jesus Christ, giving Jesus glory and honor, focusing on Jesus, magnifying Jesus. Verse 3, he stopped putting confidence in his own efforts, his own pedigree and relying on that. Verse 7, he started trusting in Christ alone for righteousness, for salvation, for forgiveness. He began to treasure he began to treasure Jesus more than anything. He counted Jesus, knowing Jesus, worth more than anything. Everything else he's considered rubbish, or another uh, translation might say dung, or, or you can just put in a bad word there. Okay? It was, that's what Paul considered everything else compared to knowing Jesus. Dung. Okay? We all know what that is, right? Dung? Manure? Okay? Um, that's what he considered... Um, Everything else in this world, his, his resume, Paul repented of his resume. So he, he seemed to have a squeaky clean resume in, in the Jew, from a Jewish perspective, but he repented of his resume. He repented of trusting in all those seemingly good things, and there were some good things. There were some, there were some, some disciplines and, 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 and honorable things that the Apostle Paul had, had going on, but we're not to trust in any of those things to make us right before God. We're to trust in Christ and Christ alone. And that's what we're about here at City Church. We're about knowing Jesus, trusting, loving, following, exalting the name of Jesus. And that's what he's who, who brings us together in one family because he shed his blood for us. Knowing Jesus changes your values. Uh, Andrew Lejeune and I were out on Tuesday nights uh, Tuesday night, knocking on doors, and, and we uh, were right across the street here in the apartment complex, and there was this precious family there, um, Victor and Carmen, a, a Latino couple, and they had a couple kids, uh, Victor Jr., who was 12 years old, and they welcomed us in, and as soon as they saw that we were talking about God, and, and we wanted to share the good news with them, they, they, they welcomed it. They were like, come on in. They tried to give us a meal, some food, and I was like, no, my wife would not be happy if I, if I came home, and had dinner here, and she had something ready for me there. Um, I, didn't, I didn't eat what was set before me. Man, I missed it. It looked good, though. But anyways, they, 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 this is a family that came to Jesus six years ago. They were uh, sharing their testimony with us. Uh, Victor used to be um, just drinking all the time, and Carmen used to use drugs all the time, and, and, and their kids saw that. And they came to Jesus... And all that changed. Like, they go to church all the time. Like, they were about to go to church. Uh, and, and their son, who's 12 years old, just loves Jesus. And he's been baptized. And he said, the Spirit touched my heart. And, 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 and he, was just, he was so hungry. And, and, and just God's working in that family. And I'm looking at a family on Tuesday night 
whose values have been changed because they came to know Jesus. Jesus broke into the history of their lives and changed things. And I know God wants to do that for many more families in this community. He wants to change things. He wants to change the values where it's no longer cash cars and cuties. It's no longer girls' glory and gold or guys' glory and gold. It's knowing Jesus more than anything this world has to offer. The world's passing away in the lust thereof. But he who does the will of God lives forever. So those who know Jesus, they value things like worshiping by the Spirit of God. Jesus said those who worship him must worship in spirit and truth. J.I. Packer, in his book, Knowing God, says that knowing God involves, there's four specific things that he says. He says, listening to God's word and receiving it as the Holy Spirit interprets it in application to oneself. Noting God's nature and character as his word and works reveal it. Accepting his invitations in doing what he commands. Recognizing and rejoicing in the love that God has shown and thus approaching you and drawing you into this divine fellowship. He also says that knowing God is a relationship calculated to thrill a person's heart. Knowing God is a relationship calculated to thrill a person's heart. Do you have a relationship with God or His Son Jesus in such a way that your heart is thrilled because you know Him? You love Him. He's your joy. He's your strength. He's your life. He's your salvation. He's your hope. He's your all in all. Do you know Him like that? Does He thrill your heart because you know Him? And he knows you. Jesus in John 17, 3 says, this is eternal life. My friend Bunny Pounds wrote a song about this. This is eternal life that they may know you, the one true God in Jesus Christ whom you sent. Do you know him? If you know the Son, you know the Father. If you know the Son, you know the Father. Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life. And no one comes to the Father except through him. He's the only way. The way to know God is to know His Son, Jesus. Jesus said in John 14, I believe verse 9, If you've seen me, you've seen the Father. Do you know Him? Do you have a saving relationship with Him that has changed your values like the Apostle Paul's values had been changed? I was just thinking about this this morning and just brought to tears thinking about what life was like for me Before I came to know Jesus, life was difficult, lonely, hopeless. I had no purpose, no vision. I was doing bad things, headed for jail and hell. And Christ broke into the history of my life and saved me and set me free. I was reminded of uh, almost 17 years ago, uh, my, my Uncle Ron, who's here tonight, and praying with him, uh, or he's, him praying with me to receive Christ in the parking lot at TCBY Yogurt right there. I, he's dropping me off at the gym uh, uh, off of Mockingbird and Abrams. And, and my mom was in jail. She went to jail for drugs. Or no, she was out of jail. She was, she was at Care Center Ministries. Um, and, and God was drawing our hearts. 
God was wooing us, and, and, and God was working, and, and, and God used the prayers of my uncle. And, and, and he, he's like, he was like aggressive, like telling everybody, pray, pray for my, my sister and my, her son, and, and, and just putting us on prayer lists, and, and, and God used the prayers of the saints. And we came to Jesus, me and my mom now love Jesus. We don't value the things that we valued before we came to know Jesus. We love Jesus now and we love people now. Knowing Jesus changes your values. If any man is in Christ, he's a new creation. The old is past. Behold, all things are new. That's awesome. There's several analogies that the Bible gives um, for, for knowing God and what what knowing God is like. Knowing God is like um, having a relationship with a father. A child having a relationship with the father. It's like a, a wife having a relationship with her husband. It's like a, a, sh- a sheep having relationship with a shepherd. And, and the list goes on. There's, there's, there's other analogies that the Bible uses. But Jesus said his sheep hear his voice. They follow Him. They respond. And those of you who are here who've trusted Christ for your salvation, for eternal life, you heard the voice of the Son of God. You responded to His voice. When you put your faith in Jesus, you heard His voice. Faith comes by hearing and hearing the Word of God. There might have been a preacher preaching the Word, but you heard God speak to you through His Word and through a preacher or through whatever means He used, and you believed. You put faith in Jesus like you did. You're putting faith in these pews to hold you up right now. You put your faith in Jesus, and God declared you righteous, forgiven, free, because of what Christ has done. Jesus has laid down His life for the sheep. Amen? So knowing Jesus affects our value system. It changes our values. It also changes um, our viewpoint and it changes our vision in life. Uh, verse, can we go to the next slide there? Let me see if I got Oh, look at that. Oh, look at that. Am I doing that? Or are you guys doing that? Let me try that again. Oh, wait, wait, don't, don't do it. Okay, never mind, go back. You guys got it. I'm going to let y'all... Y'all see, even though I got a green light on here, I'm going to let this go. Um, so check this out. Philippians 3, 12, and, oh, Philippians 3, 12 and 14. Not that I've already attained this or am already perfect, but I press on to make it my own because Christ Jesus has made me his own. Brothers, I do not consider that I've made it my own, but one thing I do, forgetting what lies behind and straining forward to what lies ahead. I press towards the goal for the prize of the upward call in Christ Jesus. So this was so encouraging to me. I'm getting ready to preach today on Philippians chapter 3, okay? I go into Starbucks right here off of Centerville, just half a mile from here, yesterday. Go to Starbucks yesterday to do a little work on the sermons, and I run into this brother here, JJ, who's here tonight, today, today with, tonight with us. And uh, thank you for coming, brother. And, uh, and he has his Bible open. I said, hey, what you got your Bible there open to? He says, Philippians chapter 3, I'm, I'm do, preparing to preach on it. In July. And I said, no way. No way. Look at this. Look at this. I'm, I'm about to preach on Philippians chapter 3 tomorrow night. 
Tomorrow, and we just start digging in the Word together, talking, sharing the Word with one another. We prayed with one another. It was so encouraging and affirming that God wants us to know Him and be changed radically by knowing Him. Our values change. Our vision for life and our goals and what we're running after change because we know Jesus and we value Him better than anything else. Praise God. I don't know, I don't know about you, but thinking about knowing God is, is really an amazing thing. The God of the universe, the one who made it all, who holds it all together, who rules and reigns, who's gracious and compassionate, the wisest person in the world, in the universe, the smartest person in the universe, the most loving and gracious and full of wisdom person in the universe and we get to know him we get access to his room to his phone number to, we can call him up and, and he's not going to reject our call or hit de decline he'll answer it we can come boldly before the throne of grace and pour out our hearts to God and he, he listens he wants to listen to us and he does he answers prayers of his people he delights in answering our prayers he gets the glory for it. We get the joy and, and, and the good of our prayers being answered. This is what it means to know God, where we got this relationship with Him. We talk to Him about things that are going on in our life, and we listen to get what He has to say. God, give me your wisdom. Give me your understanding. Guide me. Lead me. Protect me. Provide for me. I can't do this without you. John 15, Jesus says that apart from me, you can do nothing. I'm the vine, you're the branches, abide in me, stay connected with me. And you're going to bear much fruit. I'm going to work through you and bring forth much fruit. Jesus displayed the Father. So when you look at Jesus, you see God in the flesh. Jesus declared the Father, in John 17, 26, he says, Father, I've declared them to you that, that the love which you loved me with would be in them. Jesus declared what God the Father was like so that his disciples would begin to take on the Father's nature of love. Amen? So knowing Jesus also changes our viewpoint. We can go to that slide. He says, let those of us who are mature think this way. And if any of you think otherwise, God will reveal it also to you. So uh, one translation actually uses uh, like view or um, something even closer to that. But Paul's saying, hey, if, if, you, don't, if, you, if you don't think like this, uh, well, first of all, those who are mature followers of God think like this. And if you don't, Hey, God, God will have to show you. <laughs> you need God to show you what's true and what's right and where your focus needs to be, what you need to be running after, what you need to be valuing. Uh, Paul was defending the gospel here that we are justified and we're made right by faith, not by our works. Paul says in, in, uh, that he's already been made. He already belongs to Jesus. He says, I, uh, I, I, um, not that I've... Uh, I, Verse 12, but I press on to make it my own because Christ Jesus has made me his own. Paul had, by the way, Paul knew Jesus, okay? 
He knew Jesus. He had become Jesus' bondservant. Uh, he had become a child of God. He was a follower. He knew Jesus. He had a relationship with Jesus. And you know what? He wanted to know Jesus more. Those who know Jesus want more. They don't want to just coast through and be like, yeah, I met that Jesus dude, but I'm, I'm, you know, I'm, I'm busy doing other stuff. Uh, when you know him, you want to know him more. There is more to know God. There's more of him to know. Uh, and, and we need to run hard after him and run hard after what he's called us to. He's made us saints. He's made us his own. We belong to him and we run hard after him and his purposes because we belong to him. We're his. He got us. He's holding on to us. He's going to lead us and guide us, provide, protect us, and take care of his people. The Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. I have everything I need. He makes me to lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside still waters. He restores my soul. He leads me in paths of righteousness for his namesake. Yea, even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for you are with me. Your rod and your staff, it comforts me. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil and my cup overflows. Surely goodness and mercy will follow me all the days of my life. And I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever and ever. That sounds like a beautiful relationship that King David had with God. He knew God as his shepherd, and David was a shepherd, and he cared for sheep, and he, he knew about that shepherd-sheep relationship, and he knew about that with God as his shepherd. Do you know God as your shepherd? The Apostle Paul in uh, verse 7 says, uh, let's see, verse, he says that he didn't have a, a, a righteousness of his own. Um, verse 9, be, that I might be found in him, not having a righteousness of my own that comes from the law, but that which comes through faith in Christ, the righteousness from God that depends on faith. You know, there's many things that we can trust in for righteousness. I'm, I, I've listed a couple of them up here on the next slide. A couple slides after that. Well, here, here's, here's two hindrances, by the way, of knowing Jesus. The first one is pride in our achievements. So, so Paul, Paul could have boasted in all those things that he had going on. But he was like, that's dumb. That's worthless. That's actually going to hinder me. If I'm trusting in that, that's going to hinder me from walking in close relationship with Christ. And then false, a false sense of righteousness. Not having a righteousness of my own that comes from the law, but that which comes through faith in Christ. Let's go to the next one. Here's a couple of different kinds of righteousness. False senses of righteousness that perhaps some of you might be trusting in. I know when I read through this list, I was convicted of a couple things. Um, and reminded that Jesus is my righteousness. This is taken from a, a book on leadership from a guy named Bob Thum. Uh, so discipline righteousness. I work hard and have a sense of strong, a strong sense of self-discipline. Clearly, I'm equip, equipped to lead others. Family righteousness. 
Because I do things right as a parent, I'm better and more of a godly leader than those who have unruly kids. Theological righteousness. I have good theology, therefore I'm obviously a credible spiritual leader. Intellectual righteousness. I'm better read, more articulate, and more culturally savvy than others, which makes me leadership material. Next slide. Accessibility righteousness. In a, in a world that's busy, I'm always accessible and available to others when they need me. Hey, I'm here. Mercy righteousness. I care about the poor and the disadvantaged in the way, every, the way everyone should. And I'm not, I'm, I'm not surprised that people look to me as a leader. Legalistic righteousness. I obey God's commands. In our sin-warped culture, it's natural that younger Christians should look to me as a godly example. And the last is financial righteousness. I manage money wisely and stay out of debt. That proves that my wisdom and trustworthiness, my wisdom and trustworthiness as a leader. Is any of that convicting? Is there a righteousness of your own that you're trusting in? All other ground is sinking sand. My hope is built on nothing less than Jesus' blood and righteousness. I dare not trust the sweetest frame, but wholly lean on Jesus' name. On Christ the solid rock I stand, all other ground is sinking sand. All other ground is sinking sand. By the way, when I break out in song, feel free to join me. Okay, this is this is not a spectator sport. Okay, I, I my my um, philosophy of preaching is. Uh, Expository exaltation. Yeah, I've taken that from a, a dear pastor that I, I love, but um, expository exaltation. So that means I'm going to do my best to exposit what the Word of God says, and I'm going to praise Him while I'm doing it. So join me. <laughs> praise Him with me. Rejoice in Him with me. Pursue Him with me. This is worship. And we do this together, not just one person, not just the worship team, not just the pastor, not just, you know, whatever ministry. We worship together. Amen? We believe together. We're the family of God. We're, we're the people of God. Amen? And so I want to close here. This is my first closing. And hopefully my last. Worship team, if you want to come on up. I want to close with an invitation. For anybody here who walked in this place, first of all, who doesn't have a relationship with Jesus yet, and you want that. You want that relationship with Him. You want to follow Him. You want to surrender your life to Him. You're tired of calling your own shots, doing your own thing, trusting in your own little saviors that don't save you, that are worthless want to trust Him and follow Him. Well, I want to invite you up for prayer. I want to pray with you. We want to, we have leaders here. We've got several pastors here and leaders here and, and leaders here within the launch team that, that would love to, to pray with you and leaders' wives. To, we want to pray with you. And then the second group of people is 
uh, those here tonight who um, who know Jesus or you came into a relationship with him, but you've kind of put it on the back burner. You've, you've kind of ignored or um, haven't been pursuing him earnestly, treasuring him more than anything else in this world. Maybe comfort. Maybe there's another joy or another pleasure that's, that's competed with putting him first in your life. And so we want to pray for you that his kingdom would come and his will would be done in your life on earth as it is in heaven. In in heaven, folks don't have a problem with uh, not loving Jesus and treasuring Jesus. They are in all, they're all struck, overwhelmed by the beauty of Christ. And they worship, they sing, they bow down, they cast their crowns, and they worship the one true living God who is worthy to be praised. Worthy are you, Lord. Worthy, worthy, worthy. Holy, holy, holy are you, Lord God Almighty. Let's respond tonight to the worth and the beauty of Jesus Christ, the Son of God, who has loved us, who came to rescue us, who is for us, and He can meet every need that you and I have. We're going to respond, we're going to sing, and we're going to pray for anybody who wants